Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. My name is Mark, and I'm an alcoholic. I'm also responsible for the things I've done and the things I'm probably going to do. So there's, you know, I have to remember something, that I need to make amends constantly. It's not something that I do and walk away from. Uh, there's things that happen in my life now. And I also have to, I have a forgetter. I like to forget. It forgets to make amends to myself. You know, it forgets things like that. And uh, I'm very tough on myself. But, um, you know, I heard somebody say about the shortcomings and the, um, the shortcomings and defects of character. They said, if I have an opportunity and I don't put my hand out, that's a shortcoming. If I have an opportunity and I put my fist out, that's a defect of character. <laughs> so um, anyway, fear is what brought me here. Fear is what keeps me here. And fear is what I work on every day. Um, you know, I, uh, I left a, a pregnant wife in the middle of the night, and I never came back. Uh, we talked over the phone, and I, you know, didn't even see my baby born. Drinking was, drinking was too important. Uh, I drove my dad's father in, my father's car into the ocean, uh, for unknown reasons. And, uh, you know, this was a pattern of behavior. I, I, it's funny in retrospect, but people were harmed. You know, people were harmed. I had to go back and make amends to it. It wasn't funny to them. You know, maybe we can laugh about it now, but, you know, I, I had a friend in a, a beach town, and I went over to his apartment, and we were playing Three Stooges, and we were running down the hall with the fire hose, and I pulled the fire hose out of the wall, and it flooded out three floors of that apartment building, and I ruined a lot of people's lives. You know, but these are things I did on a weekly, daily basis. Didn't think much about it. Just thought, oh, that's, you know, we'll take care of it. Got nothing to do with me. So, uh, you know, I, uh, here I am. I'm, I'm working the steps and I have a, I have a scrambled mind. So, uh, I don't know if any of you have a scrambled mind, but I have a scrambled mind and I have a forgetter. So I have to, I have to work off notes and I apologize for that, but I gotta stay on point. You know, I was on a fast track when I got here, uh, to AA. I threw a, a bunch of ridiculous circumstances, horrendous experiences, um, and in an enlightening, one enlightening moment, I showed up on the steps of AA this time. And, uh, you know, I, I was on a fast track. I, it was Zoom through one, two, three. I wanted this program bad. But then the, the train stopped at uh, station four and five, you know, and I realized I was going to have to slow down and really reassess what I was doing. But I needed those first three steps to get me going. And uh, in steps four and five, uh, you know, I was brought face-to-face with a lot of things, a lot of things I hadn't thought about, a lot of baggage I'd been carrying around. I mean, it was a weight of, you know, little little gems of things I did, hateful things I did that, you know, you don't, you kind of forget about them, but subconsciously you know they're there. They just weigh you down. And, uh, you know, so I did what I had to do in steps four and five, and then Zoom, I was off again on that fast track through, you know, steps six and seven. And uh, my sponsor says, you know, if you don't, can't figure it out now. We'll get back to it. Let's just keep going. And then we got to station number two, which was steps eight and nine, you know, which brought me face to face with a lot of fear in step nine. I mean, I've got to go back and talk to people and do things I don't really want to do, but I'm told that it's necessary that I do this, you know. Um, and, I, and what I did was I used a list of people and entities that I gleaned from all those other steps, you know, four, five, and eight. And, uh, you know, let's roll, roll a tape back to step four. You know, I did not write a fearless and, and thorough moral inventory. I wrote a, a fearful and thorough graphic novel. And <laughs> that, in many ways, you know, it tried to excuse my behavior. That's what that writing did. I found ways to excuse the bad things that I'd done. And my sponsor said, no, 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 uh, no, no. Uh, let's put that aside. You know, it might make a great reading later. But let's do what the way it says in the big book. Let's follow the, the steps in the big book and the way that it says to do this. And I, I said, okay. And uh, so forward to step eight, where again, I not only wrote a list of people I had harmed, 
but a phone book of people. You know, it was everybody in my life that I had harmed. And, and so he says, okay, we can, we can take care of that in step nine. We'll, we'll work on we'll it step nine. So step nine, here we are. And on page 83, it says, you know, made a direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. You know, this is a tricky step. It was a tricky step for me. And I'm so glad I had a, a very understanding sponsor. Because uh, if you're not careful, uh, you can cause as much damage as you do good. I mean, you have to really think these things through. You can't just go jump into them. I did. And uh, I highly suggest that you all use all available elements before each and every amends that you make. That's God, conversations with God, your sponsor, all the AA literature that you've absorbed up to that point. You know, take all that advice with you when you go to do your amends. You know, right here, the very first sentence in, in step nine, good judgment, a careful sense of timing, courage, and prudence. These are the qualities we shall need when we take step nine. And uh, I, I call it God and guts. I, I have now learned something about being humble and about humility. You know, a little at least to get going. I deeply need to uh, tap into these resources in step nine. These uh, uh, these need to come from a place of love. They need to be from a place I'm not familiar with. The, that's why I need to reassess what I'm going to say and what I'm going to do, because it's got to come from somewhere I'm not really used to. You know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. You know, all those things they don't work anymore. You know, uh, they never really worked to begin with, but I thought they did. You know, that's not that's not an amends. Um, you got to check your motives. And the motives behind those motives, because they're there. You know, after talking to my sponsor, I had motives. Not only did I have motives, but there are motives behind my motives. And uh, when I make make amends, I kept kind of kept this in mind. It was like silence my mind, silence my ego, and in certain cases, silence my heart. Especially when I was dealing with girlfriends or people like that, that I could easily get reinvolved with if I allowed myself to. Uh, this is about making amends. It's not about uh, you, at least during these moments. And uh, it is not a time to react. I know there were some people that said things immediately to me, and if I was not in the right frame of mind, they would come at me and say, well, you know, finger pointing. And I quieted my mind. I don't react. I have to be in that right place, you know, uh, and, and be ready for anger and ready for questions. And anything that might come from them. You don't know what's been going on in that person's mind for 20, 30 years, you know. Um, there, there are three types of amends to me. An immediate direct amends. Amends that could be made, possibly in a short while, and ones that may never be made, or maybe made at some point. But I am willing to make those amends when the time comes. That's the important part. I'm willing to make any and all amends I need to. So uh, my sponsor, uh, I sat down and wrote letters of amends to um, the ones that, uh, on the second point, the ones that could be made in a short while. Uh, a lot of these letters, uh, I, and my, my sponsor took the letters and he put them in his, in his file cabinet. You know? And so if I ever got to that point where I could make that amends or was going to make that amends, I could revisit what we talked about, where we were at, what, we did, what the real purpose of that amends was. And uh, it really helped me, you know, so I wasn't just flying off the handle each time. Um, yeah. So uh, a sponsor, yeah, I kept the ones that we discussed. We put them away. And uh, now for my mom and dad, I mean, they were, you know, pretty much at the top of my list. Uh, and a few other uh, people, there were two types of amends that I made. And that was, a, you know, one in my early growth where I needed to say something. And then there was uh, later, you know, a continued recovery type of an amends, uh, a living amends, if you will. Uh, you know, I, t- I would say to my mom and dad, you know, I wouldn't say I'm sorry. I'm, I'm mom and dad. I'm in recovery, and I did some things I'm really not proud of. I drove your car into the ocean. I stole your medications, uh, you know, <laughs> etc. Whatever the list was, and I'm really not proud of those things. You're, you are loving. You're a loving mother and uh, did not deserve those things. You're a good, you were good, loving parents. And I, I tried to phrase it where 
it meant something this time. It wasn't just an I'm sorry. And I discovered that it was, it was enough just to, it was not enough just to make an amends, but to continue to make that amends. So, uh, in later examples where my mother and, and, and got, she got cancer and I took off work and, uh, took care of her and my dad. He was in the hospital at the same time. Uh, you know, I dropped everything I was doing and it became the most important thing in my life to come up there and take care of them. My mom subsequently, uh, passed away and I realized that my dad was, uh, you know, not doing well. So I, I moved up there. I moved my job up there and I started taking care of my dad and my mother had gone. But to think that at one point in my life, I would have taken care of a funeral completely, moved, or moved my job, re- relocated everything. It, it, you know, it's, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Something had changed. And, uh, you know, it was just a great way to, to make a living amends. I mean, to my dad now for that punk kid that I was that threw, threw stuff at him and, you know, argued with him constantly. Uh, here I am taking care of him and I, I have no regrets. It's the most beautiful thing. Uh, it's a bonding with a father I, I would probably never have if I hadn't had this process in, in Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, you know, I don't know. You get great things from, and they're not the things you expect from a man's, you know. You don't expect, you know, your girlfriend's gonna come running back, jump on you, and, and let's go on, you know. It's, 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 it's deeper than that. It's more deeper fulfillment. You know, so I, so anyway, uh, that's what I do now as a living amends. I, I'm taking care of my father and, uh, my daughter have reconnected and, uh, we've been, we've been pretty good for the last probably 14 years. I've been sober for about 18 years now. And, uh, so I get a phone call, uh, last, last week, I think it was. And, uh, I get two phone calls in one day and they were two hours apart. I get a phone call from, my dad's doc, and he says, your dad is not doing well, and we're going to have to put him in hospice. And I said, okay, um, what does that entail? And I got all the information from him. And then about two hours later, not two hours later, I get a phone call from my daughter. She says, you're going to be a grandfather. And I said, wow, that's life on life's terms. I mean, that's just life, and that's that's a beautiful thing. I mean, that's the way it works. We come and we go, and in between we do what we do, you know. But... Uh, it was just, just a great thing. There's one, one other, actually two other stories I want to say real quick about my amends process. Uh, you know, we went through the list, that laundry list, that big phone book of people. We came up with maybe like 11 people for sure I needed to do something about quickly. One of them was an old girlfriend and one of them was my ex-wife, the mother of my daughter. And, uh, I'm talking with my sponsor about the girlfriend first and she says, he says, you know, you want to go over there and give this to her, don't you? You want to go over there and give this to her? And I said, well, she doesn't live around here anymore. But I did screw up at her mom, with her mom's house a few times. I owe her mom an amends. You know, I threw the, I threw the, um, what was it, rack of lamb at Thanksgiving. I threw it across the table and, uh, destroyed the table and, uh, you know, a couple other things. So I need to go back there and make an amends to her. And he says, well, here's what you should do. Cause I wrote this, this flowery letter to, first of all, he had me tear that letter up and rewrite it, but, uh, you know, I rewrote this letter to this this girl that I dated for a long time and uh, left one night, which would seem to be my pattern of behavior. Uh, so I went over to her mom's house and he says, you take this letter that you're going to give to your ex-girlfriend, you make your amends to your her mom while you're there, you give her this letter, which is going to have the letter inside in a plain envelope with a stamp on it, and you give it to her and say, can you please send this to... Uh, Karen, or whoever, and uh, so she said yes. She, we had a long conversation. It was a beautiful thing. I mean, she didn't remember me throwing the rack of lamb across the table. Uh, you know, it was a nice. It was actually a nice visit. And her sister came down and talked to me, and she said she'd take the letter. And I didn't put a return address on that envelope. Nothing. And that was my thinking. If I put a return address on this envelope, maybe she'll contact me back. So my sponsor was was involved in all that, saying, don't do this, do this, you know. So that one, I feel worked out good. I said what I had to say to somebody, and if, and if it relieved them at all, if it did anything in their life, 
that's a good thing. But I didn't have to contact that person where I might have caused more harm. The other one was uh, when I wrote all these letters, I wrote one detailed letter to my ex-wife. And again, that was one we were going to get to uh, later on. And, and my, my sponsor put it in his file cabinet. And one thing started happening this Friday after another. My, my daughter moved in with me. My wife had a pill addiction. And we were just, you know, it was just one thing after another, one thing after another. And, and time went by. And, and what I realized at one point was I had not sent that letter to my uh, ex-wife. Actually, about 10 years later. And uh, I completely forgot about it. And I think it was about, um, I think it was last year, my sponsor wasn't doing well. He was kind of having some health issues. And uh, he knew that I had moved up here. So we met down here in Los Angeles. And uh, he gave me some of those letters back. He said, I shredded some of your letters. They, you know, we, And I, I think you're going to want this one back. And he's, he gave it to me and he said, you know, it's the one from your ex-wife. For your ex-wife, and I go, oh yeah. He goes, I don't think you're going to need it anymore because what had happened during that ten years was I had helped my ex-wife with her dying mother. I had helped my ex-wife help raise our child. I had helped my ex-wife do a lot of things I never did while I was married to her, you know. And what he was saying is I had actually done a better job of making amends by doing what I did in life than by just sending her a letter saying I was sorry, you know, and that just hit me like a ton of bricks. What we need to do, it's what we, what we put out there, you know, it's, it's, it's who we are when we become sober and it has to be proven to people because they don't believe you anymore, you know. They know who you are, they know, they know, you know, they know you haven't changed, they know you just say I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But, um, anyway, that was, that was a, a big revelation to me. And, uh, you know, Making these amends and, and, and the daily amends, you know, I can do something now where I act like a jerk, you know, I act like a jerk or I want to act like a jerk, let me put it that way. And I know I'm going to be a jerk and God in his loving wisdom knows I'm going to be a jerk, but you don't know I'm a jerk because I use the program to filter out the things I would have once said or would have once did. If I'm going to be a jerk, I shake your hand and say, how are you doing? Today? You know, uh, that's that's my story basically on the, the amends process. But uh you know, there's always this dualism. There's always this dualism. I know I've done my best to clear up my past and uh, my side of the street, yet I continue to do things that I shouldn't and, and we have steps six and seven to take care of that. And uh you know, the, the part about what we do from here on out is it'll be covered in step ten and uh, I thank you for letting me share. is failing me, but I will try. How important is it to finish the amends process when halfway through your promises come true? <laughs> well, I, I, I can answer that one because I honestly don't know what my promises are. I Things come to me all the time that I never expected to get, you know, and I think that's going to be I, you know, I hope that that's a continual process, and I believe it is if I continue to do the right things. But um, I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing just so that I might get something. Um, so I continue to do the amends process from the past and on a daily basis, and the promises will be what they will be. I find in early days this step pops out of order, 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 order fairly frequently. Do amends made before uh, arriving at step nine count, or should they be revised and remade when I actually get to this step? In its proper order. Uh, well, that's um, to me. That's what sponsors are for. But I, I would never miss an opportunity to make an amends if you thought you were doing the right thing. Um, 
I would wait possibly step nine, but if an opportunity presents itself and you have an opportunity to talk to your sponsor and tell them what you're going to do, that's between you and your sponsor and God. But, uh, you know, sometimes, especially with a little sobriety, you can make a decent judgment and if it seems like a decent thing to do and we're not talking about a girlfriend so you can go back to bed. Um, yeah, but I would, I'd run everything by my sponsor and definitely pray about it and use my relationship with God to help me out. When offering amends for selfishness and recovery, what do we do if the amends is not accepted? Well, here's, here's another paradox to me that the amends are actually for me. But I've made the effort to make the amends. I know I was wrong. I know why I'm doing the amends. I'm going to give it my full 100% to that person. If it's not accepted, I've done what I can. Uh, the thing is, don't stick around and argue about it. You've made your amends and move on. But uh, I've only had one out of maybe 25 that I can think of, you know, where they wanted to be argumentative and tell me everything that I did wrong and didn't accept it. But, you know, I, I graciously stayed there listening to what they had to say, and I turned around and walked away, and that was it. I haven't seen that person again, and I did what the book tells me to do, and I did what my sponsor told me to do, and I moved on. Can you move into steps 10, 11, 12 while on step 9? What do you think is meant by a new happiness? Okay, the first one, can you move into steps 10, 11, and 12 while on step 9? That wasn't my experience. I would imagine it would work as long as you're constantly working the steps. I would do what I could to make as many direct demands as possible. But again, this is a really personal thing. I mean, it's not... It's not a blanket answer. It's not, a, you know, an overall panacea for step nine. Uh, I don't see why not. As long as you're dealing with your sponsor, as long as you're doing the things you're supposed to do for the book, uh, I would make as many men's as, as your sponsor thinks you should or that seem right at the time and continue to work the steps. Never, you know, it's hard, it's tough when you stall on a step because you might not move on. So I would suggest moving on but continue to do step nine as, as possible. And what do you think is meant by a new happiness? I've got it. I, I know what it means to me. Uh, it means I don't think like I used to think. I never knew what happiness was, so I don't know what a new happiness is. Uh, you know, happiness to me at one point was driving from LA and drinking, being drunk by the time we got to Pomona and coming down 62 here and heading for needles in the Colorado River and crashing cars and going on to Vegas and getting thrown in jail. And, you know, that was happiness and fun and all that. But I, you know, happiness was the Disneyland in my head. But now, you know, the new happiness is my first happiness, my first true happiness, and that's in working the AA program. I feel free. I don't feel burdened. That's my happiness. What do you do with mind self that falsely sequesters immunity behind except when... To do so will injure them or others. Well, okay. I'll cheat on my partner because if I seek amends, it, oh, it would injure her. Yeah, well, I think that I was kind of covering that. It's like, you're responsible for what you do. I mean, first of all, you shouldn't be having an affair. Um, or, you know, you're going to do what you're going to do, but... That, I would go back to my sponsor, because it's obviously going to hurt your wife or your partner if you cheat on her, uh, but I think your sponsor is going to tell you, we need to talk about this because it's a repeated behavior, or, you know, you, you won't go out and rob one bank, you're going to continue to rob banks if you don't find another way not to rob banks. And, uh, you know, again, the sponsor is so heavily into play in this, because i got to get out of myself I got to get out of my own mind. I got my ways and ideas of dealing with things, and I can justify anything. And if I'm in justifiable mode, you know, I can justify anything. And then I feel bad about it, and then I think, oh, I can go back and make an amends, and everything will be okay. That's not amends. You're just setting up a pattern of behavior. Can you give an example of? You making an amends and it didn't turn out how you thought it would. 
Well, I mean, that could work two ways, too. It's, um, I, when I told my mom, you know, I was an alcoholic, and I, I, with 100% of my being, I believe I'm an alcoholic, and I went to tell her what I was, what I was, what I was doing, why I was doing it, and went on to, get, to make my amends. Later in the evening, she says, you don't really think you're an alcoholic, do you? So, I wasn't prepared for that. You know, I was prepared for the whole nine yards. And then, well, mom, you know, that's where I really had to talk to God because I know I'm an alcoholic. My mom doesn't, my mom didn't understand, but I'd never expected that, you know. And I've also gone up to people who I've made an amends to and they didn't even remember what the hell I was talking about. Something I did, I've carried with me for 30, 35 years. Oh, you remember that time we did this and that? I'm, I'm so sorry. Huh? You know, what are you talking about? So, uh, there's unexpected stuff. I've also got hugs. You know, I've got hugs. And I say, thank you very much for doing that. It, it takes a lot of courage to do what you did. And, uh, I was scared to death. But I hear somebody telling me it took a lot of courage for what I did. I just thought I was a jerk, you know. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to make good. I'm just trying to make good. And they would give me a hug. And, and it, that was unexpected. What if they hurt me more than I hurt them? Um, you make an amends. Uh, it's because it's not about equivalence to me and my understanding. It's about what you did to that person. And if you make your amends to them, you've cleared your side of the street. Whatever they did to you, that's on them. And, and, and there's a freeing process in making the amends. It's no longer about the both of you. It's now about whatever that person wants to do with their life. You've done what you need to do your life, with your life to stay sober. I mean, that's what this is about. You know, you're clearing up the wreckage of your past. And uh, if somebody hurt me worse than that, you know what? I have to learn to love them. That's another part of the program. I'm learning to love people for what they do, no matter what they do. And, uh, you know, maybe if you're lucky enough, they'll come back to you in a few years and make an amends to you. But uh, I'm not going to wait around for that. I'm going to move on with sobriety. We got time? What do you do about the amends that needs to be made, but you have no way of contacting that person, but it bugs you, but it bugs you? Um, I've had a few of those. I've been to a few graves, gravestones, where I sat down and, and spent a couple hours, maybe half a day even sometimes, in prayer and just remembrance of that person, and I'll, and I'll make my amends to a gravestone. Um, I went back to try to make restitution for the apartment building I ruined in San Pedro, and uh, the property was no, it had been rearranged, no longer there. I could not find uh, the, the owners. They had dissolved the partnership, and it was. I mean, I, I made a decent attempt to find to make the restitution, and uh, and that would have only been for the building owners. It wouldn't even been for the people that I screwed up their lives, but. Um, I donated to the to the city, you know. I donated some money to the city. Uh, again, don't leave God out of the equation. Don't leave your sponsor out of the equation. There's always the right thing to do. It might not be the thing you think you should do, but there's always something you can do to help rectify the situation and, and get that amends out there one way or the other and move on. When making amends that might hurt them or others, do you consider yourself as other? Uh, that's a really good one because I, I meant to say that earlier. Um, I always forget. I always forget to make an amends to myself. You know, I do things a lot. A lot of times, that really haven't hurt anybody else. They've hurt me, and uh, I just think, well, I can take it and I'll roll with it. And it's not going to be a big deal, but it is a big deal because they they build up, and, you, and your self esteem goes down and. Uh, I just have to remember every once in a while, especially when I do some kind of an inventory of myself, to forgive myself. Um, and because that, that's damaging. It's damaging. It's, it's, it, it undoes a lot of things. So I just always remember to make an amends to myself. And I don't, I don't hold up a trophy and act like some kind of, like I want something. It's an amends to myself to say, be kind to yourself. You're doing the right thing. I'm Tommy. I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, step 10. Uh, well, you know, someone, uh, step 10. 
I, uh, I learned the principles uh, a certain way, um, that there's a principle to each step, and they need to be practiced. And the principle I learned, and, I, and, I, and I've seen different cards and different people, so I learned them a certain way. People might have had a different way. They're usually all the same, but for some reason, whatever, you know, I learned honesty for step four. That's where I was, you know, people say step one, but, you know, but that's so whatever works. But for, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm going to read it as it is. Uh, the first time I ever read this step, I believe, in my life, I'm going to, uh, I, whether it matters or not, I, you know, I, I have full, over 14 years of sobriety, and I, and I heard this step read as continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Okay. And, uh, and the principle that I learned was perseverance. This is where perseverance was. And, uh, but step 10, uh, we, we hear about Bob. Bob said that these steps, you know, he put it in, uh, said that these steps are in a logical order for him to produce a spiritual experience. Now, obviously, I didn't hear that at the time. Uh, I assume, because whatever type of brain, that there's 12 steps and we go 1 through 12. But step 10 is in this weird place. It's just this. I mean, someone just shared, you know, it's like, uh, my sponsor or this or that, and it's not their fault. It's in a weird place. I mean, I fin, I did the steps. I did. I went for it. I finished step nine. It did what it said it was going to do. Step nine has promises. Those promises happen. People want to call, I, I don't like the term pink cloud. I don't, I just don't, I don't identify with pink cloud. Um, or even that, Alcoholics clean up well. I'm not even that. I did steps and things happened. Promises happened. And when they happened, amazing stuff was happening in my life. Amazing stuff. I, 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 I got my high paying job back. I went back to school. I was going back to school at this point. I was about to become a teacher. I was starting to date again. I, you know, uh, you know, I lived in Santa Monica. I mean, amazing stuff that I could say thank you, God, for. And I could see, even though we say this is a lie to go home, but I, you know, who's, we're alcoholics. I don't, you know, how much do we live in the present? I could see 11 and 12. I tell you, before 10, it sounds a lot better to go with Randy and listen to the gonging over in that nice meditation room. You know, sodding to prayer and meditation to make conscious contact with God. That sounds sexy. <laughs> and 12, man, I, you know, someday I, I wouldn't have admitted this. I, I did, you know, I had some humility. But hey, you know, who knows? Step 12 someday. I could have my picture up there. Four people come up. I got all these guys coming around using my name. I may be some somebody someday in this little program. But here I am at 10. And Randy says this, you know, it's, it's a good way not to practice a principle. We talk a lot about the disease. Bob, but Bob, I hear this. It was very clear. They asked him, and I hear this. I love tapes because you just replay I just hear that right because I hear amazing stuff, just amazing stuff. I do. Thank God for you, Bob Anderson. Thank God for you. Um, people want to maybe say, you know, when somebody's really good at it, you know, maybe cult figure or something. But I just, I'm a teacher. That man was a good teacher. You could take simple material, a teacher, and could present it such where kids are falling asleep, where they want to come into your classroom. I've actually had that as a teacher. No, we want to be in your class, Mr. Polano. I am, you know. And uh, so I, I, I respect a good teacher. But at 10, you know, Randy says this. Sorry, newcomers, you know, but I'll get to Just agree to it. Continue to take personal inventory when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Yeah, I don't, I got no problem with that. Let's go. We're on to 11. I agree. I'll, someday I guess I will. Yeah, I got a hot time. I'll yell at somebody someday. And I'll admit it and, you know, and, and whatever. And I'm done. And, uh, it's not how it works. Um, so it actually, and how this, what's 
the way, so the way I practice this principle is, you know, there's my buddy Greg. I know we talk a lot. Chances are he may say something I don't like. Somewhere. You know, eh, you know how Greg is. He says this, he says that. I'm taking, this is what I think is personal inventory. And, uh, you know, he's wrong. But hey, I did these other stuff. I'm a forgiving guy. I'll forgive him. And I'll forgive him. And you know what? Why mess up the relationship by actually telling him? It's just good. So I'll just say it to myself. I did the step. And we'll just leave it all alone. And now I'll go pray and meditate. And so I take that nice spring. And I push it down. And I put it in a nice little compartment in place. And I secure it. You know, I make sure. Yeah, that won't pop up after. That'll be all right. And I put that away. I did these steps. I went through a lot of years. When these steps lifted my depression, they were giving me an amazing, as they do right now, I love my life, an amazing life. But a day came. A day came. And, well, let's see. I need uh, I can't say it better than this. Sorry, I think I get to that. I meant to. Okay, yeah, right here. Um, someone who knew, someone did know what he was talking about when he once remarked that pain was the touchstone of all spiritual progress. How heartily we A's can agree with them. Yeah, I agree. For we now know that pains of drinking had, had to come before sobriety and emotional turmoil before serenity. And the springs popped. And the springs popped. Seven years. And it, it's not a fair fight. Why do we have to persevere? It's not a fair, in my life, it's not a fair fight. At seven years, I was having these dreams in the subconscious. How do you fight in the subconscious? You know? Um, and uh, I had this dream, and which I know now, the disease doesn't even want me. It wants my daughter. It wants other people. It's a big disease. It's hungry. And in my dream, this, is coming, this thing is coming, you know, for my wife, my daughter, and you ain't coming for my daughter. And I went to go hit it. And I, you know, in your dreams, you go to hit, and you know, it's like, well, what the hell? Why, why isn't? Why am I hurting it? You know, why am I? It's like, Tommy, you're more stronger. You're powerful. You're a tough guy, Tommy. Your friends say you're tough. Hit the son of a gun. Hit it. And with all my power and with all my strength, I took a swing at this thing. I went to swing it, and the next thing I know, I was on the floor and blood was pouring out of my face. My wife was screaming, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? In my thing to hit it, I did like probably a karate scream like, ah, threw my entire body out of bed, hit my face on this oak thing we had, split my lip over, and it was a pool of blood. I knocked myself out in my own dream. (laughs) My wife thought I was just going crazy. And I said, I think I gotta go to the emergency room and need stitches. And she saw the bus. What the hell? And the depression came back. And I was in trouble. Why would I know? Because someone knew. Someone knew. And I asked. I started asking people. And it's not other people's fault. It's not AA's fault. It's not another meeting's fault. This is the step which we're about to read. You know, or to one part. It's not their fault. But someone knew I was going to have to do some Saudi. That this disease is alive. Why Bob kept repeating it? Because it needed to be treated, but I needed to know what it was. Not to keep in the disease and talking about it. It's alive. It's well. It grows. 
it grows. I only know one thing about the disease. I am one healthy person. I could never been spend a night because of a beautiful resentment I have against doctors and vowed never go to a hospital. Never been to one. But my wife did for cancer. And I watched these surgeons explain the disease to me. I saw the fear, the fear in the eyes. And they said, Mr. Polano, we're way behind on this. We got to move fast. We got, we're going in the hospital in two weeks. And I'm sorry to tell you, there's going to be no good news. So go ahead and pray. But I am one hell of a surgeon. You're going to have some damn good people here. And we're going after it. We're going after it. That's grabbing on to something with competent people and going after something. That's per- and what we'd have to persevere. And they said, and you got a solid five-year run. You're probably, she's probably going to be dead within two. But if you fight, we may over five. That's perseverance. And they were telling me right up front, right up front what I was against. So it's a disease. And like cancer, you know, she had breast cancer. Well, you call it breast cancer then. But that's not what they were scared of. The surgeon was going to go there first. But what they knew is those cells were going to travel and it was going to become brain cancer. It was going to become liver cancer. It was going to become something else. They, that's what they couldn't, they knew that they weren't going to be able to fall. Where is it going to come next? Where is the spring going to pop? Where is it going to come from? That's, and, and I'm not going through it. And I saw the fear in her eyes and every day, do you think it's somewhere? Where is it? You know, in the middle of the night, where do you think it might be now? And that's scary at fear of somebody. I was running in a beautiful city called Portland. I was up in Portland um, uh, three years ago, almost pretty much close to now. Three years ago, approximately, maybe a little bit more. And uh, I was running, trying to work off these springs. I was going for longer and longer runs, not knowing <coughs> else what to do. And a friend, a person in the program, said, Tom, I saw you running along the river yesterday. You know, beautiful, the bridges, wow, he's porting the when the sun's out. Uh, and I, I said, oh my God, Tommy's been hurt. He's been mugged. He's, he's running after somebody. I need it, you know, and I was worried. And then I stopped for a second and said, no, that's just Tommy. He just got that angry look on his face and he's just angry and he told me this and the next day because it took some time to process and i'm going for i was going for a run every day and pretty much every day i just look up for every day yeah sometimes and uh so i'm going for a run and, and again it was a gorgeous day the river the water and the clouds and the bridges and i stopped dead in my tracks and uh, and intuitively pretty close to these words came my mind that I'm the same person sober that I was when I'm drinking. I have not changed, and I'm dying. And I knew it was step 10, that little step that was buried between where all these promises happened and this beautiful with sex appeal where I'm going to go sit in a room and meditate, me and God, and we're going to commune with the world, that if I couldn't, I, I'm going to read it now in words that... <laughs> Would someone now that knew could tell me? Tommy takes personal inventory. And Tommy's wrong about everything, pretty much. I mean, again, I'm using that word everything. Somebody just shared. Tommy's wrong. His thinking's wrong. And I need to admit that. I need to admit that. I'm reading it different. And, and I knew that every thought that was coming to my head when I'm running, what that person saw, I don't like George Bush. The Pope is an idiot. This program that I go with, they don't know anything. My wife won't shut up. That every thought, and if I don't admit that, and I don't make an amends right then and saying, I'm wrong. And well, what do you do? Well, I better start at least praying. I gotta pray for George Bush or Barack Obama right now. Or I gotta pray, I got, I'm gonna start praying for everybody. And of course that voice said, you could never do it. You'd be praying all, you'll never do it. And I said, I don't care. I gotta start. I'm dying. And once I got that willingness to work this step, because all the principles come into play. Now, uh, you know, willingness or that honesty that was in other steps, because now we're down to 10. 
You know, we did work. These things got to still be applied in the day I'm in, in the moment I'm in. So now once these things happen, God says, now I just start doing life. So he got me fired immediately from my job. It still baffles me. I gave two kids a time out. And, uh, and, uh, my wife said, you know, you should go to LA. Really? You gotta let, yeah, go, let, go there. You got friends there. Thing. You may think, why don't you get in the car? Go to, oh, go to LA. And I can't, I don't even know why she even said, why did it even pop there? And I got in the car and I came to, to, to this place. And now God, because uh, why would else I come here? I had to first leave a job. I said, well, you're not going to leave your job, so, you know, and God could do that. My thinking is wrong. And I'm wrong. I'm saying my thinking, not... I shouldn't say I'm wrong. I have to put this in my life. There's no way, just what I said, to, why would I quit my job and came to L.A.? It's like, write that down. Same thing today. I just couldn't admit that God's going to do it. My personal inventory, if I kept writing it over and over, I would actually write it. My buddy Craig actually does. I don't know if anybody else does that. It would say the same thing. I don't. I won't admit that God's going to do this. And then think, and I know somebody shared on step seven, I, and I have to come with this, and that, I'm, the way I'm practicing these principles, I'm in step seven. And I'm not leaving step seven because I've heard, I heard that man. I heard him talk, I played it all, I heard him talk about step seven. And what I heard over, the way he even says a man came up to him and said, I'm gonna tell you something. You don't have to take it. If it doesn't work for you, just throw it away. Really, throw it away. But I'm gonna tell you something and see if you'll apply this if it'll work for your life. That God, and I'm just going to use, this comes out of Bible, and I forgot how, because I don't want to try to quote Bob here. God's going to give you the work, and he's going to do it. Just do what's in front of you. And I started doing the smallest things available. And I heard him say, I stayed, and I and I heard this. I actually, also now, because I have ears that don't hear, I have eyes that don't see. Jesus of Nazareth said that. I just, and that's me. I have eyes that don't see, ears that don't hear. And when I, if I will start doing these things, that there will be changes. And just like that day when I was running, I just decided, I'm just going to start doing things. And I'd be, you know, I'd see the floor. And I don't know why nobody sees that the dog and cat shed here all over. Why I got to do all the vacuuming. Or why I do all the laundry. But my buddy Jeff Chonis, his name, he's not here, you know, and, uh, I take these words to heart. He calls, you know, his car, God's car. This is God's car. This is God's house. And I started saying those words. God wants his floor swept today because it's his floor. I always say, I have paid my house up. God's house. God wants his house painted. So I'm going to be painting the house. Um, God wanted me to go take a, you know, got these degrees and this and that and whatever. God wants me to go work a minimum wage job. Moving in a supermarket. I did that when I was 16. 56. I went there in 56. God wants me to go help somebody over at Vons. I don't know. And actually, that's actually happening. There's, I'm only working, only people that take those jobs. It's like 18 year old kids. They're coming up to me. You're a teacher. If I went back to school, can you help me? You know, I thought I teaching was, you know, when you got that paying job at the school with the benefits that I need. And, uh, and I just kept doing it, but it, it, it didn't get better right then. Perseverance. It didn't. I called it. Don't ever call this guy right here. What did he tell me? He actually said this. Don't even open up your mouth to me. The only thing that comes out of it is vomit. You're just vomiting. It's true. If I would take write this stuff down, it's true. 
I had nothing to say. I only had these things to do. Divorce. Lawyers. Pain in my house. Violence in my house. The police. In my home. My home. My daughter. And then I kept doing it. And God said, now, after I persevered, now I'm going to show you my power. And in one instant second, what I just said, he took it away. Now just took it away and dropped love and happiness instantaneously and he said that's who I am in an instant in front of my eyes and I can never deny that now I can never deny that and uh, I could not have done that without the power I don't know how anybody else could do that this perseverance because I had eyes that could not see I had ears that I could hear I sat in prime uh, time over there eating his pistachio nuts for two and a half years. <laughs> and, you know, I listened to Randy, and I loved what I could hear from Randy over and over. He really teed me off. I can't stand the way he would always laugh. Well, why is he laughing? I love my life. Ha, ha, ha. He's got a kid. He's got a house. He's about my age. He shouldn't have it. He'd say, I'm the lucky. I'm the most unlucky person. But my life has changed instantaneously. God has done for me, my family, my wife. He, what he did to my wife is un, unbelievable. I mean, you know, he, he just, she, she, she's this beautiful, loving person, my, my, my daughter. And today, Right now, right here, as I practice these principles in my life, as they're put down in a logical order form to produce a spiritual experience, I love my life today, right now. Thanks. How do you work step 10 in the moment? Um, to repeat, um, I didn't, you know, got a little curious. I want to start. I'm going to just read something out of the book then to, to start that question. Um, the first person I called when, in prime time, I, if I remember correctly, I think this is correctly, I called Ron. I think he, he spoke. And I don't call people. Uh, usually I can't even ask me. I asked Tim. Tim was my Eskimo into prime. Like, you know, he kept bringing these speakers like Jeff Chonis, you know, just to go up to him. It's like, uh, these guys are talking. Can I get their number? And it was hard. And I remember I could, Ron had just spoke, so I, I had called Ron. And, uh, as I said, I don't know. He probably, not that he would remember maybe my phone call, but, you know, I just had this vomit probably to spill. And, you know, he let me, he's a nice man, Ron, such high my, He's a beautiful soul, spiritual man, and he listened patiently, I guess, you know, whatever I had to say. And then when I was done, he only said one thing. He said, do you have a 12 and 12? And I said, yes, I do. He said, can you open it up to page 90? And I said, okay. He said, do you see in the uh, paragraph right there the word spiritual axiom? I said, yes, I do. He said, can you please read? And I said, okay. And it says, it is a spiritual axiom. That every time we are disturbed, every time, no matter what the cause, what the cause, there is something wrong with me. It says us, but it's in prime time, and this is 
very dear to me. We do talk in the first person. Because as Randy says, and it's true to my true to my life, that's why I take it to heart. It's too easy as a narrative. Yeah, you know, we were wrong. Yeah, you know, when we are wrong, you know, yeah, we we all gotta, you know, no. When I was wrong. When I was wrong. I need to change that. Or else it gets too distant from me. So when there's something wrong with me, Tommy, it hurts us and we are sore and we are in the, and I am in the, uh, it hurts me and I am sore and I, I am in the wrong also every time. So it starts right there. The first thing you got to admit in this perseverance, it's you. Right now, right here, admit it. Say it. I'm wrong. Well, you know, and this guy too, he, he never listens to me. I, 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 I guess I put a lot of ands and buts. No ands and buts. Admit it. I'm wrong. If I do that, I've emptied, now moved the space. I'm not putting that spring there. And I'm giving God some room to do His miracle. Um, it, which is, again, these steps are in order logical form. Step 11 is there. It's not like it's not there. I learned it this way. Step 11 is patience. People told us, but you don't have no patience. Space, you know, we, you know, we want it done yesterday. I, my, the amount of time I got, I'll wait for God is what? Maybe? If not that? You see how fast I switch lanes. People have driven with me. Our people in this room who have driven in the car with Tommy, you just switched lanes 22 times. But that's the shorter lane. That, but we got nowhere to go. But it's the shorter lane. My body starts shaking. It does. Heck with drugs. You should see my hand shake. I'm in the longer lane. And, and so I gotta admit, how do I do, in the moment that I'm in, that I'm wrong. That I'm wrong. And, and that's going to drop right in in a logical order form in the 12 where I need some patience now that if I, to God to tell me, because I have eyes that don't see, ears that don't hear, to tell me something. To tell me something. Okay? And if I'll do that, I don't know what your power is going to tell you. How would I know that? Or how would I even know what my power is going to tell me? Like, you're fired. Why? Uh, and, and then, and to go with that. You know, like, well, I guess I'm going to go work at Vons. Uh, and, uh, so, and then there is work when we could see, like I said, what I first thing said, the floor's got to be swept. I don't know what that's got to do with God's will and how that's going to line up in 11. It's like, but after it's clean, I think Randy likes to do windows. They're shiny after, nice. And, uh, and I, when my miracle happened too, when this miracle happened, because God, my wife went crazy. I, I had these notes from a lawyer. She thought it was this big conspiracy and she's going to sell the house and take my kid here and there. And, that, you know, I'm just, don't do that. The, the baby's happy here and, and stuff. And I just gone for a beautiful run with Randy and uh, Christian. And I just came from 12 step application meeting. I'm going to sell the house, I guess, you know, the front doesn't need, uh, God needs his house, his front landscaped, and I had this pickaxe, and I'm, I guess I got to start building the walk or whatever. I'm, build, I'm swinging a pickaxe, I don't even know how to use it, you know, I don't know, I got to dig a thing, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. And that's when God talked. You asked me ten seconds before, that's what I had to do to bring God's will in line. It don't even make sense. It don't even make sense. So if I'll admit I'm wrong, and I'll do what I really see in front of me, really, and it, it really may be i got to clean the toilet somewhere, somehow. Don't ask me how it happens. That's why I guess we call it a miracle, whatever. Something will happen. And, and I believe that today. I believe that today. That's why I love my life today. That's why I love my life. I'm sorry going so long. The big book talks about uh, to continue to look for four things and do three things. Can you talk about them? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'm not a big book. In step four, ten, the four, the four uh, to do, 
to look for four things and to do three things? I usually have people tell me. Yeah. Um, so come and say it to tomorrow, please. Continue to look for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Wouldn't yeah. I, and, and, and I have 14 years, and, and, and I, I sometimes I, for things I need to memorize that. For me, just for that, and, and I have done these different steps, and I'm working in a different way. I don't know how to answer this. I'm just going to say this. I have a belief today that it's all an illusion. Okay, so when I say selfishness, this, that, to me it's just giving power to it. You know, I uh, I told Walter this, and I don't mean Greg was, one time I heard Walter say to us, you know, Bob, Bob I guess, told, told Walter once, who's the secretary at Prime Time. You know, I think Bob would have said this to me. I'm just making this up in my head. I think I would, or what Tony said, you just vomit over everything. That, now, rah, 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 rah. And he had him, he said, you know what? Why don't you just get some notepads and just write God in it. Just keep writing God. And then, you know, he started, what I would have done, he started asking other people, Bob, make you do that, right? Bob, made, I said, no, Bob never made me to do that. Why, why is he making me just write God? Why is he just making me write God? You know, in my fourth, I did other steps. In my, cause we're in the tent, and I'm personally, in my fourth step, I, I'm selfish, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this and that. Today, there's only God. Only God. There is no other power. There is nothing for, this is just for me. I had to get there. I had to get there because my first conversation I had with somebody, I don't want to, what they were talking about. You know, right off bat, we knew, I said, oh, you like the smoke and everything, yeah, and about smoking this and that. And he goes, and I said, really, you know, smoking is probably really my true addiction. And he, he said, oh, then, then you're suicide. Then you know, right? You're gonna, you're gonna do it with the car, with the, you know, and breathing in. I said, how did you know? And that's, that's all I I have to only have God. And that's today my ambition. I don't want to have hopes. I don't want to have ambition. I don't want to have desire. And I don't want to have fear. If I go to the power, go to the power, go to the power. That's all. In the big book, it says that our next function is to grow in understanding and effect, and effectiveness. What does this mean? In the big book, it says that our best our next function is to grow in an understanding and effect. Um, exactly that. I think, I think what happened to me, and it took that emotional, to grow in understanding and effectiveness. What does that mean? Um, I was putting springs away. Where was I growing? I was, you know, I was, I was building nice rooms for these springs, you know? And, and so, and, and I was, you know, and we change this word sometimes. I don't understand. I, I have ears that don't hear. So what am I, you know, when we, in, in big time, I mean, here, uh, I don't know if it's just here, or, you know, I, I just love the way Randy speaks. I do. I listen to that man. Um, uh, that, you know, we, we understood. I'm an understooder because what would I understand? And, and, and so when I stopped that in my tracks, and get admit, admit that my thinking was all wrong. Now I could, now I could grow. There's no growth in, and just put, I thought there was. It's not that I, you know, I was where I was and you are where you are and you are supposed to be, but there was, there was no place, there was no place to grow. And where was I going to get to know this God intimately? Where, where was, it says it right there. If, if step 11 is right there in this patience, which of course I don't have in T-Bowl. You know, you should read T-Bowl, I guess. You know, I did. I, it was miraculous to understand this disease. But, um, if I'm going to align my will with this power to, to get to there, you know, and this understanding and effectiveness, um, it wasn't going to happen while I had these old ideas. So what it means is admit that you're wrong. 
You're wrong. You know, we can't say, well, we know this, we know this. No, I don't. I, you know, my best thinking when I saw it was me and that buddy were talking about suicide. And I, I, I told him all the little details because I had, you know, I got it down. Good at this stuff. You know, my best thing of understanding was like, I, you know, I was going to be in the car, two bottles of wine. I wasn't going to go to the scotch because I didn't want to pass out and mess it up. And, you know, I was going to be able to smoke uh, heroin. It was so great because Peter told me, you know, out here, because I thought I had a snort. I was going to snort it like I did back east, but you could roll it up and smoke it here because it's Mexican tar. And that was great for me. I get the smoke. So I was going to have one joint to smoke of heroin, a couple of joints, two packs of Marlboro Reds just in case one of them got spilled on. And uh, is that, uh, we're done. We're done? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. <laughs> See how easy that was? So, so my understanding and effectiveness. Thank you. Is that great? Thank you, Bill. And uh, started there. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.